Welcome to the Obesity Medicine Podcast with your host, Dr. Matea Rentia, board certified in internal medicine and obesity medicine. Here, we talk about a path to metabolic health, and we have real conversations about chronic weight management and living a full life. Just a reminder, I am a physician, but I'm not your physician. So everything that's on this podcast is for informational purposes, but please go talk to your doctor about what's right for you. There is no medical advice being given on this podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today. We are going to talk about really what are some of the pillars of weight management. And the way that we're going to talk about this is really what you could expect if you're going to work with an obesity medicine physician, maybe what are some of the different areas that initially we're going to be digging into. Now, let me give a quick caveat. <laughs> so I have founded and run the Rentia Metabolic Clinic. We're in Indiana and Illinois. And the way in which I practice, not all physicians will practice in that way. So what's so tricky about navigating this space of obesity medicine is that every doctor will have a different philosophy. They will have had different life experiences. They will have different experiences with their patients or what they think works, all of that. And so what's tricky is it's one of those scenarios where you need to find someone that's aligned with what you're looking for at that moment. And what you are looking for might change over time. Let me give you an example. I've got a lot of people, they'll message me and they'll say, well, this doctor, all they offer is surgery, and that's really what they're pushing on me. And you might just not be ready for surgery at that moment. Maybe it's a tool in the future. Maybe right now you're thinking, no, it's 100% no. And maybe at some point in the future, you do change your mind and that does happen. But right now, you're wanting someone that takes a different approach. That just means it's not that that physician is wrong with how they're going about it. They might actually be using great evidence-based knowledge. They might be looking at certain factors with your history but you're just not open to it at that moment. And so you're needing a different approach right then. Just know that what it, while it can be frustrating because everyone can be taking kind of a different approach, that that also means that there really might be a doctor out there that has an approach that works for you. Sometimes it's just remaining patient and looking into different options. Here is what I typically work on with patients. And let me say why this intake process is so extensive. It's because most people in the first two to six months can be losing weight just with diet and exercise and changes. But what ends up happening after that point, it's a, it's a variable course for everyone. But after those first few months, metabolic adaptations kick in. And so what ends up happening is hunger hormones go up, so you're increasingly hungry. Also, satiety signaling goes down, so you're not satisfied as easily. And you find yourself in this vicious cycle where you're overeating more and then it's hard to stay on track. And then you start to make it a moral failing on your part. Like, I just don't have the motivation. And look, I always do this and there's something wrong with me. And here's what we do on this podcast. I'm going to hammer home so many times <laughs> that you hear this, that obesity is a chronic medical condition just like anything else. If you had the diagnosis of diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, that is something that we could treat, right? There are medicines for that. There are treatments. There are lifestyle changes. There are things we can do. Obesity is a chronic medical condition. It is not a lifestyle thing where you choose to have this or you want to interact with the world in this way or you want your brain to be thinking this way. It is a chronic medical condition. And so we really need to get down to a lot of the different areas 
where we can find tools. And that takes kind of being a detective of really looking at who's in front of us, figuring out all the ways in which we can help. Because again, we do not have a cure, but we have a lot of treatments for it. So what are all the things, for example, when people come in to see me, what are some of the things? And and this is not even comprehensive. I just thought about a few today that I wanted to talk about. So number one, I really look at the medical history. I see What type of medical conditions has this person been diagnosed with in the past? I look at things like, do they have a diagnosis of diabetes or PCOS or insulin resistance? Also, the mental health history is really important. Is there any anxiety, depression, ADHD, things like that? This really matters because that is going to inform a lot of the type of approach in which we're going to take. So that's number one. I care about the medical and surgical history because it informs a lot of what I do. The second thing that obesity medicine providers really look at, and this is something that it cannot be stressed enough, it's looking over medications. So we use the word obesogenic, meaning weight-promoting medications. A lot of the time, People are on a lot of medications, and some of them might be leading to a lot of weight gain. I like to describe it like if you were looking at a map and some areas, let's say you're trying to find a treasure, and some areas are green and some areas are red hot. We are trying to look for those medications that are making you put on weight where we are actually doing it. Now, some of these medicines, you are going to have to stay on them because Maybe they're really helping keep your mental health right. One of the biggest areas I see with this is a treatment of neuropathy. So sometimes people will have really bad nerve pain in the legs, and they might be on a medication like Lyrica, which is pregabalin, and it's necessary because otherwise they're in 10 out of 10 pain all the time. I just had a patient the other day where they started on it, and then they noticed a 30-pound weight gain. And so we can say, okay, that medication's probably doing it. Now, again, are we going to stop it necessarily? Maybe not. But at least we know we could look through and see, look, like these ones that you're on are actually causing weight gain. And then a lot of the times people realize, oh, yeah, actually, my weight gain started after I had those medicines. We might look at Is there one that has less weight-promoting effect? Could we swap something out? We might look at what other things could we add to kind of negate that fact, but that's definitely a lot of what we look at. The other thing that I think about when I think about medications, and this is something usually within the first visit that I go over with patients, it's looking at when I look at the medication list, I think, okay, if we were able to get XYZ amount of weight off, What would likely change about that list? And what I tell people is I can see, okay, you're on four blood pressure medicines, and maybe if the weight were to go down, you would need less, maybe none. I don't ever overpromise because not all medical problems are because of weight. But a lot of the time I see the blood pressure medicine going down. Maybe you need less medicine, for example, to treat heartburn. Maybe your pain levels are down because you're physically carrying around less weight. Medications is an interesting talk from number one, the standpoint of is anything leading to weight gain? And then number two, if we were able to get weight down, how could we see that list change? And that is usually very motivational for people to just know that these are the types of changes that I could expect. That's what a lot of people really want to move toward. Okay, the next area that I look at are labs, and it's all the traditional stuff that you can think of, things like thyroid function and blood sugar and cholesterol, things like that. There's a few more. But what's interesting is it's not a complete picture. And what I mean when I say that is that 
just because a problem has not emerged yet doesn't mean that someone is not very metabolically sick. And so depending on the physician that you work with and depending on their style, they might be checking insulin levels with you, things like that. And so just know that the lab work, and I have to do a whole other episode on this, the lab work does not check things like hunger hormone levels. They're not supposed to. It's not helpful. So we'll we'll talk a whole other episode about that. But this lab work is the most basic of basic to make sure that your thyroid is not off, things like that. Now, a lot of the labs, when I'm looking at them, the results a lot of them sort of follow what I'm going to call this this metabolic syndrome picture. And that's that blood sugar is off. Cholesterol levels, the good cholesterol is too low. The triglycerides are too high. So it's this certain profile that we see. And again, that's something that your physician can go through with you is we typically see this type of picture if you have extra weight. Some of you will have a clinical picture that does not fit that. And again, that is something that you want to know that, no, you're actually not fitting that picture. Maybe there's actually more of a genetic syndrome or something else happening. So again, it's a very helpful thing to really go over lab work with your physician. All right, the next thing that I worry about is body composition. Now, don't get too excited right now. (laughs) I actually don't do fancy body composition testing on people. You don't need to get in a bod pod. You don't need to get an EXA scan done. Okay, you don't need to get any of this done. However, when I'm talking about body composition, thinks about BMI, which is just this random screening tool. And again, we'll talk more about that in the future. But what I care a lot about is the the constitution of the person in front of me. So for example, if we sit there and do measurements, one of the things that is the simplest thing that no matter what your access level to care is that you could do right now is to figure out what your waist circumference is. And this is a very telling number because if your waist circumference is elevated, that means that there's a lot of visceral adiposity, visceral fat in the stomach area. And when I say stomach, I mean abdomen, that that whole area. And This really lets you know that you're at increased risk of metabolic diseases, things like heart failure. So again, you don't need to go crazy with all this type of fancy testing. And, you know, I'll hear from other weight management doctors where they get this little report and they get to see, well, here's your muscle and here's this and here's that. Honestly, I don't know that you need to make it that complicated because, again, as long as you're not losing weight too quickly and your physician is making sure that your nutrition is adequate and you're making sure to get exercise, as long as a holistic approach is being taken, I don't know that you need to be doing all that other testing. But definitely, if nothing else, get that tape measure out I will put underneath here, it is not an affiliate link, but I will put underneath here the type of tape measure that I like because one of the things that I experience with my patients is that there's lots of shame involved with taking measurements. And so people don't want to involve others in that process. And it is physically hard to take measurements if you're living in a larger body. And so the tape measure that I recommend actually has the two edges attached and it makes it easier to do the measurements on your own. You're not having to take two separate areas to connect it. However, even if you just go to the dollar store and get yourself a regular tape measure and do that, I think that can be super helpful. The next area that I really dig into is diet, or you could say I like to use more the term nutrition. And it's not just about calories in and calories out. I mean, that's really just a philosophy that we could kind of just 
leaving the dumpster out back at this point. But it's really, I look at a lot of the quality of what someone's eating. I look at if they're having a lot of ultra-processed food. I'm interested in if they're having sugary sweetened beverages. I'm interested in how much water they're, they're taking in. Are they eating out or bringing food in often? Also, their eating patterns. Are they eating in front of the TV? Are they eating with people? Are they eating mindfully? Are they listening to their hunger cues? I think you can see <laughs> how I just brought up so many things that that could be like 10 hours of talking to someone. And a lot of who I get to help with this, I have registered dietitians on my team. And so you're working closely not only with me, but with them. And you can see how there's a lot more that goes into this than just the calorie number that you're eating. And we'll talk in future episodes how the quality of the food you're eating actually affects your gut microbiome, and that affects how many calories you absorb. <laughs> so the, there's so much more complexity here than just the number that you're eating. So definitely quality. And we're going to talk about all of this in episodes to come. The next area that I look into is, or you could say exercise. So the only difference between those terms is that movement is just generically whatever you're doing. Exercise is a planned time where you do a type of activity. And the reason why this becomes important, and, and I do take a stepwise approach, approach with people. So we're not hitting exercise hard week one. Okay, that's just like not, we kind of take a, a stepwise approach as far as what we do. But the reason why this matters, there's this percentage of your metabolism that if you're moving more, it is easier to maintain weight. It is easier for your energy balance. You might be maintaining muscle more or building muscle. Your stress levels might be improved. This is one of those areas where when someone's ready, we definitely build it out, but it's something that can't get missed and forgotten for too long. Otherwise, you end up in a scenario where weight's down, but you lost it at the cost of a lot of muscle. And so then when you're at whatever weight you think is your goal weight, number one, physique-wise, you're actually not very happy with where you end up. Uh, I call that body composition. You're not very happy with it. And number two, you end up in this scenario where it's just less and less and less that you can eat. So this is a very important part. And I just see on the first visit, where are you at with that, right? Because everyone is at a different place with this. Some people have absolutely no movement. Others, they're actually exercising a lot and they're so frustrated because they're not losing weight. Again, we're going to dig into this in future episodes that Honestly, a ton of exercise is really not the main way to lose weight. It's really great for weight maintenance and for mental health and for maintaining muscle and a lot of other things, but it's not the first place that I start with people day one, but I want to know where they're at so we can rather quickly start to bring that in. I've got a few more areas here that I look at. And again, these were just the biggest ones that I thought of. There, Of course, there's others. The next one that I have is stress levels. So this and and we could kind of combine stress levels with the one at the end of the list here that I have is sort of this mental and emotional health. What I'm really looking at here is you know, is does your work environment work for you or are you stressed out 24-7? Um, what do your family dynamics look like? Do you have good coping strategies? So really looking at, for example, do you have supports in your life where, let's say you want to make a bunch of changes, is that even possible or realistic right now? And this matters because people's bandwidth, it's different at different times in their life. So when patients come in to work with me, 
literally, and they just spontaneously tell me this, but they might be in a scenario where now they're an empty nester and they feel like, you know, I actually can do the things probably that you're going to ask me to do. I was so busy. For example, maybe you are a single parent right now and you have young kids. And while you might want to do a lot of these things and we will always be able to find the next step for you, it might be hard to suddenly take on a bunch of new things. Or you might be in a spot in life where you say, no, I'm really ready for all these things. So it's really critical for your physician to know where you're at with this so that they can actually recommend the next step for you. So again, I look at what kind of supports exist. I look at, are you able to advocate for yourself in those scenarios? You know, where is it that we're going to have to provide more help to you? Because of course, if you're sitting there stressed all the time and you're you're sort of, I, I use the term like time poor, maybe you're running around to things all the time. We're going to have to create different nutritional plans for you, different tools for you, We can work that out. We just need to know what we're working with. And this is why I'm a fan of you working with a clinic where there's where it's high touch, where they're really working with you a lot, because there's no one size fits all. You can already see from the list we did, there's no universe where you are ever matching similarly to anyone else around you. So we really need to take that into account. Okay, so then the last one that I have on here, because we already talked about the mental emotional aspect and coping strategies, things like that, how resilient you are. The other one that I want to, the last one I'm going to put on here, just big areas that I look into, it's going to be sleep. And this, the sleep quality is so important because it has a big part in our hunger hormone regulation and a lot of other things, also our mental health, just a lot of things. It goes beyond assessing for things like sleep apnea. So are you snoring? Are there periods where people witness that you stop breathing? Do you have morning headaches? I mean, we have lots of questionnaires that we do. It goes beyond that, though. And it also goes into, you know, is your sleep fragmented? Do you actually feel restored in the morning? There's just sleep is so complicated. (laughs) And I have to tell you, I have a real passion working through these things with people because I do find that although I'm not in primary care here with my clinic, it has a lot of intersection with weight. And so if things are affecting your metabolic health, your weight management, those are likely things we're going to dig into. And so a very practical first step could be if you're working with maybe just a primary care doctor that's not working as much on weight with you, you could start to just see, do I need to get a sleep study done? You could ask them like, hey, I don't feel rested in the morning or I'm snoring. Do you think a sleep study is needed? Things like that. That could be a really good first place to start. So kind of just to summarize here, I hope that this episode really helped you to see that there's a lot that needs to be looked at as far as why things might be happening in a certain way for you and then different areas that we could dig into. And believe it or not, this list is in no way comprehensive because we didn't dig much into psychosocial aspects. There's just so much more that we're going to talk about in episodes to come. But I want you to hear this list today and maybe something that you could take out of it is, wow, this is actually really complex. There's likely a reason that I haven't been able to simply solve this on my own up to this point. So I wanted to just leave it there. If you have questions, you can always leave it in the comments underneath the show notes on my website if you ever want to go to that. So it's www.renteaclinic.com, R-E-N-T-E-A clinic.com, and you can always leave comments there. See you next week.